And for fuck's sake, welcome to another episode of the Meltzer Five Star Project. The all-encompassing series within what was once the Let Me Tell You Something podcasting empire. <laughs> in which myself, you Let Me Tell You Something co-host, Lorcan Mullen, and your other Let Me Tell You Something co-host, Simon Cross. Discuss every Will Ospreay match of the past five years and the future <laughs> five years, depending on where he goes to. So, like... We've already alluded to it before, so I think now is the time to just say it out loud, outright, what we're going to do. Floor's yours, go on. Yeah, because like this was before this recent spate of five-star matches that we've had. I said, I can't take this anymore. And I was like, seriously, like it, unless we change the format of this, I'm not gonna do let me tell you something full stop it wasn't like i was giving you an ultimatum but i was just making it clear something needs to change yeah 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 and so well we always thought it would be from next year and it probably still will be but the rate melts is going there might just happen to be one at the end of this year after we reach 220 episodes of this we are gonna start bunching the five star matches into blocks of five and so every time Meltzer rates five matches five stars, we will do a bumper episode version of the Meltzer Five Star Project where we talk about the most recent five matches Meltzer's given five stars to. So instead of getting them every week, hopefully from next year on you'll get them maybe every third week, by the way it's going. <laughs> so just, just laced with like a deep hatred, that last bit there. It's not hatred... It's just, it's like I said, it's just this feel of what I always wanted this podcast to be is getting away from me. Yeah. Getting away from us, sorry. And I always wanted the show to evolve and the Meltzer thing did allow us to do more short form, do, at the time when it was all these different eras of wrestling, allow us to do sort of a crash course into All Japan, Joshi, Crockett, WCW, NXT, WWE. Yeah. Because there was variety to it. And this increasingly felt like there's less variety to the types of matches that we... I mean, we got to cover, like, a, a shoot-style match with very early on with the UWF. Yep. Uh, come on, Simon. Would you take one of those over ten more Will Ospreys as far as stuff to get what we hope is an interesting conversation out of it? Variety is the spice of life, Lorcan. You have me on that point. And whilst we are British, where spice until the... <laughs> <laughs> At least in Birmingham, the Balti Triangle became a thing. It wasn't something we were really accustomed to. Uh, I mean, as as a citizen of Leicester, you know, Curry Mile and everything as well. So. Well, yeah, I'm British by way of Ireland. Yeah, We had a whole potato famine. <laughs> as, as Alan Partridge said, if you will be a fussy eater, <laughs> I, I saw I saw a meme which sort of encapsulates your point. It's Americans dunking on on British people, and it's a picture of like some guy with have has just mints, potatoes, and peas on his plate, and the caption is 
Britain still eat like the Germans are flying overhead? <laughs> well, I saw, to be fair, on the counterpoint, especially to Americans making that point, I saw a video of Tom Holland, like the guy who plays Spider-Man, and he said in the past that he thinks British food is better than American food. And he lists things like Sunday roast and everything else. He was being argued against by the American because he said the British cuisine is better than American cuisine. And he said, well, what are you calling American cuisine? And the guy said hamburgers. He says, they're from Hamburg. They're German. Yeah. So what else have you got? And then the guy said French fries. And Tom just looks at him. <laughs> anyway, we've talked about variety. Now we've got to go back to what we always talk about. Just, just before we do. Sorry. Because obviously you've you've got to say how you feel about this change. I, I, I'd like to put my my thoughts on record because um, you were wary at first. I, I was a little resistant to you, Lorcan. I was just purely because I think, in terms of like how we've grown our audience, I think the Five Star Project was like a linchpin to that. I am sometimes resistant to change as a person. That I, to be fair, I, I you know I like patterns. I like the familiar. But um, I did reach out to some members. Uh, of our audience, actually. Uh, ones that I know personally. I've, I've not started doxing people. I just want to go on record and say that. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and everyone agreed with you. And it was at that point I'm like... Because I, I did agree with you on a level, but I, I was apprehensive. You've always said to me you never wanted to be, here's what happened this week. And because of the frequency, that is what we've become. So action had to be taken. And... I'm I'm excited to see what it will look like uh, when we do a block of five. It, it's going to be slightly different to how we usually do things, obviously. So it's going to be a challenge, but it, it's a challenge we need to take. And it's one I am looking forward to. And it also depends on where we want to go with how we want the episode to be structured anyway. We could just record maybe slightly briefer conversations about each match very soon after they happen. Yeah. Or we can do a longer bumper record that goes back and forth between those five matches. Because obviously, there's loads of interesting points. Well, interesting is debatable. But there's loads <laughs> of points of comparison that we could reach by looking at Will Ospreay versus Zack Sabre Jr. against this match. Which we haven't actually, still haven't introduced yet. And whatever match after this that Meltzer will also give five stars involving Will Ospreay. And also, we could have talked about Zack Sabre Jr. more specifically with the Brian Danielson match. Yes. Comparing that as well. And also, it can allow us to maybe cover a slightly longer period of recent times. So we're not just looking at last week to talk about next week. We might be talking about the last month to talk about next month. And there'll be different promotions, hopefully, within that discussion. Ultimately, it gives us a lot more freedom over our schedule compared to the rules we'd have imposed on ourselves. And we can make more of the other stuff that we do enjoy doing. There's loads of silver screen visions I want us to cover. I definitely want us to do the Iron Claw when that comes out. I mean, I want that to be like the week that film comes out, I want us to do an Iron Claw episode. Uh, Or at least when it comes out in the UK, which might be a few weeks after its American release. Might be a few months after its American release, actually. But whenever it can come out, we will go and see it. Maybe we'll even try and make a... A chum's day out of it, meet up or something. But that's the match we're talking about. What is the match that we're talking about today, Simon? Uh, we're talking about a match between Mike Bailey and the already heavily referred to Will Ospreay taking place at, it was still called Impact that night, right? 
Yes, it was. But it was the night that they announced the return to the name TNA, which will be from January. Just to clarify, this is at the Bound for Glory event, to confirm. Yes. So that's kind of TNA's equivalent of WrestleMania, I suppose. They never really said it as much, but there were things like the Bound for Glory series and everything. That was like their... It's usually where the King of the Mountain match was in the Jeff Jarrett era. That is, I mean, gee, let's not get started with that. But, uh, they did bring that back recently, didn't they? Yeah, that's the thing, listeners. With this format, there'll be more match of the weeks, and I will sneak in some crap matches. (laughs) Didn't we find out that you'd accidentally been spending more like 12 months worth of Impact Wrestling for a match of the week that we never actually released? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, as is our tradition, we are going to take you behind our curtain. And I sent you a message, which I really want to open with. Okay. I sent to you, I've cracked it. It's New Japan Will Ospreay I'm sick of. Now, it's New Japan Will Ospreay that's had the vast majority of these five matches. Oh, and by the way, this isn't a five-star match. This is a five-and-a-quarter-star match. Just wanted you all to know that. <laughs> So instead of gouging, maybe just lightly pepper spray your eyes if you want to. Yeah. New Japan with Ospreay is what I'm sick of. And the reason I, I, I said that to you is because this match has a lot less of the tropes we've seen in a Will Ospreay match recently. And dare I say it, I actually enjoyed this match considering we're Osprey bur- we're in Osprey burnout mode at the moment. <laughs> Mm. It's inevitable that Will Ospreay is going to win all the Wrestler of the Year awards for this year. Yeah. I can't think of who would come close. You can argue as like uh, making themselves into a star and it being their biggest year. I guess you could put LA Knight there. But he obviously doesn't have the match quality to back that up. And it's the people who care about match quality that vote for that. And as I've said in the previous one, that the problem I've had with Will Ospreay especially in this run of five-star-plus matches from Meltzer, is that it's like a Greatest Hits tour that he's doing, and it's literally been a tour. I mean, we were a quarter of a star off of us talking about Will Ospreay wrestling Naomichi Marafuji and Noah. <laughs> like, in the past two years or so, Will Ospreay has been... we talked about Will Ospreay at Rev Pro. We've talked about him at AEW. We've talked about him at New Japan. We're now talking about him at TNA. As I said, we were close to talking about him in Noah. Yep. And here he is now in Impact Wrestling, teasing that he would even maybe consider making this his full-time home. I mean, come on, man. (laughs) Look, it's part of the game. You're not going to shut a bidder out, are you? Although, let's be fair to why Will Ospreay might have a certain amount of affection for TNA. Obviously because of the age he is, he would have been a kid when it was on Challenge TV. And maybe like when I was a kid, WCW was the only really accessible pro wrestling for me at that age on a weekly basis on the WCW Worldwide show and on ITV on Saturday afternoons. Maybe that's one of the reasons why he loves TNA so much, because he did grow up around that time of AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, Samoa Joe, X Division. They did reference that match. Yeah, and he references AJ Styles a couple of times in the match as well, or at least one time within the match. Again, I'm not sure that his Pip Pip Cheerio is explicitly an homage to AJ Styles because the Phenomenal Forum... They're retconning that hard, aren't they? Well, who's they? Because it was the Rev Pro match, I think? Mm. That they said it the last time. 
wrestling commentators in general do seem to be retconning it because you are right it has spanned across more than one promotion but aj styles was doing that move before it became his finisher in wwe yeah so maybe it is maybe it is a reference it's a cool move whichever way you cut it you could argue that the match that these guys are having is the match style that first really got popularized in tna with the x division Obviously, your precursor to that, at least on American TV, was the WCW Cruiserweight division. Yeah. But the idea that it being a stylistic option rather than a weight option, thus allowing them to include guys like Samoa Joe in the X division, Mm. maybe also brought in that notion that it doesn't just have to be the smaller guys that have to do those sort of dives anymore. And now... You know, it became the cliche of all wrestling that everyone goes out and does dives to the outside, <laughs> regardless of whether you are Cesaro nearly breaking your neck on the barrier with Sheamus, or you are Roman Reigns still trying to get the crowd to like you. Or Undertaker knock- nearly knocking yourself out. To be fair to Undertaker, the first time I remember him doing that, I think, was in 1997. So that was pre-X Division and everything. That's more an age thing, I think, of the one I'm citing. Yeah. What this match almost feels like, even though it's not for the X Division, is Will Ospreay's tribute to the X Division. And what I was thinking about with this match was this felt like one of those super indie mid-2010s matches you got before AEW. Something that would have looked really well-placed in a PWG YouTube montage. There's plenty of highlights you can put in. And PWG was... The place where Mike Bailey first really made a name for himself and was one of the places where Will Ospreay started making a name for himself. Although his time in PWG was fairly short compared to others. He didn't become a star there like Zack Sabre Jr. did. It was more his New Japan run in the junior division that really started to elevate Ospreay's position in pro wrestling. They don't stop from... Like you said, there's no... Moments of Will Ospreay doing character work, extended selling periods, there's no limb work. This is just, I'm really good at doing wrestling moves. Well, I'm really good at doing wrestling moves too. Let's do really good wrestling moves at each other at a very fast pace in less than 20 minutes. I did like this match a lot, and one of the reasons I really liked it was the fact that it was only 17 minutes, which, as far as five-star matches go in recent years, is, you know, it was almost half the length Zack Sabre Jr. match that we talked about in the previous week. Yeah, there, there was no grab your bingo cards, guys. There was no epic epicness to this one. It was just fast pace. Look at what I can do. Well, look at what I can do. Yeah, but I dress like a karate guy, basically. Yeah. And that was the other point I wanted to make. Because post-territories, this is, again, like an encapsulation, not just of the X Division, but maybe the 30-year journey that indie wrestling, as we've known it, has gone on. Where... It became less about people working in territories and building up stars and then moving on and putting someone over on your way out or anything. It became a shopping window for you as an individual to try and sell some t-shirts after the show and get yourself known. Then in the underground tape trading scene, but then later on on the internet. Yeah. And through, eventually, memes and gifts and everything. Will Ospreay really first became the centre of wrestling discourse over a gif of him and Ricochet. (laughs) It started off with Sabu, and it's reached its point here with this match with these guys. 
Because, like, Will Ospreay's the megastar on the top level of the indies, uh, of the non-WWE promotions, really. Yes. And Speedball, in the past couple of years, has really been that guy on the upper end of what I guess we would call the indies now, if you also factor in New Japan, AEW, and so on as, like, the, the place you can make a full-time living off of wrestling. Yeah. Speedball Mike Bailey, famously, at the WrestleMania before last, wrestled something like a dozen matches in three days or something, that he was just going <laughs> from place to place to place and just stealing the show at so many of these shows as well. And that he has become the hot guy on those that you might see in a smallish venue putting on the best possible match there yeah and i think that that's also a sign of where this style of wrestling this high spot focus style of wrestling has gone and that maybe osprey and bailey are the two biggest exponents of it currently in those relative scenes to each other yeah i'm with you yeah like bailey's ceiling at the moment is TNA Impact Wrestling, and he's sort of the super worker of that promotion, whereas this is kind of like Will Ospreay's basement of places you could see him ending up in. Like, if he burned some bridges <laughs> in the last few weeks, which, let's be honest, he could do. Or if somehow Anthem and TNA have decided they're going to make a big push next year, and they're just going to throw all the money in the world at one guy and hope that they can build everything off of them. You know, this is the most out there possible version of will osprey in tna yeah but my point is that i was coming to is that as much as sabu was adored in those places he he was hitting those high spots right maybe 75 percent of the time on his best day really yeah and there was a certain amount of not sloppiness but not perfect versions of this rob van Dam was great for it as well and he was probably the best one of it at that time in the late 90s, along with Jerry, especially when he was in there with Jerry Lynn. Basically, what's been the basis of the majority of Botchamania videos for the past however many years that that's been going on for yeah. have been people on that indie scene trying to do the big moves when if you actually took them back into a basics wrestling lesson, they might not even be that good at a wrist lock, but they just want to do the moves to get that recognition in music videos online. Yeah. Or get those... Or get Because you are just about yourself. You're not about building a character through storylines and feuds in one territory. You're trying to get yourself booked everywhere. And the people that go to these shows that bring up to a higher level that Ring of Honor was the top level of were the ones that went for the people with the explosive move sets more so than the people that could cut promos and, you know, those sort of figures. Like, Arn Anderson wouldn't really do that well on the indie scene... Because as fantastic as he was on the fundamentals, he was never a showy-offy kind of guy. Yeah. Whereas your high flies like Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty, the Rockers, if they'd have been around an indie scene, they would have done really well at that time. Will Ospreay and Mike Bailey do all these moves, but they do them in this match with such an accuracy and a speed that it's like it's the best that you can do of that, that you aspire to. And like, because I grew up watching 2002 Ring of Honor. And you got guys that could do it, like your Amazing Reds. But you also had your Maximos and everyone else that was part of that group that could do it maybe 50% of the time. Yeah, everyone seemed, you're right, everyone did seem channeled into this style. And like, look, you're right, that is 
a linchpin in botchamania content it was a it was basically what the style was and that's why the discourse around will osprey's matches with ricochet got so testy because it's like well if it's if this is what this style is then not everyone bought into that it's sort of like rubbed people up the wrong way eventually yes but it was also to people who like that kind of wrestling it was the best version of it because those guys didn't put a foot wrong yeah and you can't deny that so if anything, those are the best ones of that style. And maybe that one of the reasons that especially old school wrestlers raged against it was because they couldn't do that. <laughs> it's different. I hate change. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's still trying to, you, you wouldn't believe how long it took me to convince him to bunch these into fives. The, <laughs> I had to threaten him with a bunch of fives if he didn't do it eventually. So my point I'm trying to make over all of this is that this is maybe the future where wrestling's going to go. And what's, interesting about that is that especially if will osprey does eventually sign for wwe and like if they allow him to go as fast as he can if they allow the first time the will osprey in front of a wwe audience does that kick backflip move yeah everyone's gonna lose their minds because they'll have never seen something like that at that speed and that agility and that suddenness in a wwe ring very certain sections of them will have if they followed NXT Ricochet. It's so weird that they've got basically number two in the world at it. And they just haven't really let him do what he's capable of all of the time. They've, they've tried to make him like charismatic and it's weird. But he also doesn't have the dance partners to do the best of that stuff with. That's why I think if Will Ospreay does debut in wwe to me the rational person to put him up against the first time is ricochet and why logan paul is also perfect for those two guys because he can kind of do that stuff as well yeah and it was also me connecting that with logan paul and also more importantly a couple of the women in the nxt division tiffany stratton obviously and i can't remember the other one that did that weird diamond cutter variation that got that went viral a few oh the flip one yeah yeah so Rooker, she's injured at the yeah. minute. So this might be where wrestling does go in the future, that a lot more wrestling will start to look like Will Ospreay v. Mike Bailey, but the people doing it will have to have more of an athletic background, maybe even necessarily than a wrestling background. Because I think one of the reasons that all those high spots were being done was because they were being done by wrestling nerds that love their Juniors New Japan and their Sabu videos. But mm. most nerds can't do really athletic stuff that's because they're nerds that's why they became nerds nerds are getting more athletic (laughs) some of them are and as i said especially before the mullet speedball mike bailey was like the epitome of the nerd especially when he you see him in those old pwg videos where he comes out in a full gi does his little karate moves and he's got like a not page boy haircut but your very basic haircut and he's got that baby face literal baby face. yeah he even has a little bit of pudgy baby fat around his waist as well and he does look like a little kid he looks like the karate you would cast him as the karate kid but because as you say he has that background in karate he has that athleticism and body control that makes everything look good every kick that he throws looks fantastic and especially how he can do the feints with the bent knee and then hit the crack on it and the timing of it that was a beautiful kick when he hit that compare any mike bailey kick to cm punk i've done muay thai i have kicks 
<laughs> that Brock Lesnar promo about CM Punk gets more true each and every day. <laughs> but now, especially with the WWE going down that path of finding college athletes and then packaging them into stars, along the lines of New Japan's long-standing Young Lions policy, they didn't bring in people who have wrestling experience, unless it was amateur wrestling experience. They wanted them to come from an athletic background, which was what held Kent Kabashi back at first, because he didn't have an athletic background. He had a bodybuilding background. Those methods, I think, are going to produce more of those, especially if you're going after female gymnasts. Yeah. Because God knows, for the most part, there is not a lot of money for women in any sport outside of, like, tennis and to an extent, gymnastics, but even then, you know, Simone Biles is maybe the greatest athlete of all time. Something tells me she's not making a fraction of your Michael Jordan money. Oh, not even close. She is the Michael Jordan of gymnastics, and she's not making Michael Jordan money. Never would. I can't really speak for gymnastics to the same extent as I can for sports like Olympic level swimming, for example. But there are some sports where you can do everything right be absolutely fantastic and that you're still chewed up and spat out come 26 you're like granddad at 26 in some sports who was the british swimmer that won gold at the olympics adam Peaty. no 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 woman frankie boyle made a joke about her appearance she... rebecca adlington my friend sent me a picture of her in the same queue as him for a ryanair flights and he was like she won an Olympic gold medal and now she's on a Ryanair flight. And I was like, do you know how much people who are Olympic gold medalists make? Not a lot. No. <laughs> yeah. there's, and there's only so much money you can make in the gymnastics world. Although, to be fair, now that I think the NCAA have started to ease up on what money their student athletes can make... <laughs> you desperately have tried to avoid doing it like Cartman there. I felt, I heard the restraint through the microphone. I wanted to try and make it subtle enough that people would get the reference without having to call it out. But as ever, Simon, you and subtlety. <laughs> well, I just did that thing of, I get this. <laughs> Everyone pay attention to me getting that joke. You're like someone laughing at a Shakespearean play. Really? The co-host of a podcast might have a, like a, a, an issue of seeking attention. <laughs> That was a backhanded self-burn, because that sort of gets you as well. <laughs> yeah, so my... It's, it's good when you point it out. My... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Layered. I see, I've done it. I'm going to stop. <laughs> so my point is the future is it might go down that path, but it might not actually be the wrestling nerds that do it. And maybe that's a good thing, because the wrestling nerds weren't really for the most part, able to do it anyway. As I said, Mike Bailey has the legit karate background. I think Will Ospreay was a gymnast, wasn't he, as well? Yes. And he did have a ring in his back garden when he was like 12, but that's British wrestling for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So maybe that's where we're going to go, especially with the WWE. And that's the final form of it, almost. You're right, but... I, I think this will be one branch. I, I think there is still a... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Triple H, like, patented epic, epicness storytelling, which will never go away, mainly because of, like, the position he's yes. in. But also in other promotions as well, like, one of my favourite tag team matches of all time, Bucks versus Hangman and the Mega. That is just laden with, oh, story angst! Yeah. That, that's, that's always going to be there. This mega flip indie style stuff will just be a branch on the tree 
but could well be the main branch. So. Yeah, I think this match is the match that all those guys had in their head for the past 20 years that maybe never necessarily had the physical tools to do it. And Osprey and Bailey are ones that actually have that athletic background that allows them to go this far. Plus, they have that love for wrestling and the showmanship, and they watched all those matches in the past and were like, how can I improve upon that? Yeah. And they just have the avenues and the paths to do it. Like, Sabu hobbled so they could run. (laughs) Although I'm sure all three of them will be hobbling by the time we reach 2040. Touchwood not, but that that's more down to medical advancement. I was being Touchwood with the 2040. I know you were. So if Osprey does go to WWE, does Mike Bailey make that step up? Uh, his look now is kind of... He, he, as far as mullets go, he rocks a good one. Yeah. It kind of suits him. I don't know why, but it kind of suits him. And he's lost that little bit of puppy fat, and he's got interesting apparel with the sort of slight frills on his knee pads and everything he did do the best of the super juniors this year and i can see him being to the new japan junior scene what will osprey was but i don't know that he will surpass the junior scene like will osprey did i can see him being maybe a perennial rival to master wato who i think that new japan want to build their juniors division around yeah in the same way that will osprey was to kushida yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Look, in terms of the sample size I've seen of his athletic ability in this match, he's got the tools. I, I just don't know much about his charisma or, sorry, character work, I was going to say. Well, I don't think he's, like, afraid of talking. You hear his talking in the pre-match package, but it is also because they haven't done angles or anything together because Will Ospreay's far too busy to do that. Yeah. Instead, we're just getting footage of him doing some sort of chat on a podcast, I assume. In split screen. Even the audio quality you can tell is coming off of like his laptop mic at various points in the promo too. But I think Bailey always had that. Especially, weirdly, he got Super over in PWG. Not just because of his athleticism, but because he looks like a, a little boy that you don't expect much from. And then suddenly he's busting out these incredible karate kicks. And obviously he also has the novelty of wrestling barefoot but not barefoot. Yeah. Has he got the wraps? Yeah, yeah. I don't remember if he had them back then, too. I think he did. And just some innovative moves and the spin kicks and that flurry of kicks that then Naomi stole from him while she was in WWE. I'm assuming now she's in (laughs) Impact herself as, like, the ace of the women's division there. She's not allowed to do it anymore. Yeah. But um, the, the, the thing that really held Mike Bailey back in the peak of this whole AEW, maybe he would have been a founding member of AEW as well, was that he's Canadian. He's from Montreal, I think. And he did a boo-boo on his passport or visa, stayed too long or didn't declare. Uh... And so wasn't allowed to set foot in America for four or five years. Bloody hell. Yeah, so he had to spend four years or so in Canada. He'd come to the UK a few times. He wasn't under the radar of New Japan until he went to TNA Impact, where they have that relationship. Again, it's one of the signs of Will Ospreay and Mike Bailey that in a world where so many people do what they try to do or try to do what they're doing, they still stand out as the best examples of that. And why this match just goes 17 minutes full force, Super indie dream match. Also, a little bit of, like, Will Ospreay as the touring big star that would go from indie territory to indie territory and go up against their biggest name. 
like your Walters a few years ago, going to OTT and mm. Progress and everywhere else and being that big boss. Or before then, obviously, the touring NWA World Champion going from territory to territory. That's what it feels like with this. Will Ospreay is gracing these people with his presence. They're, the crowd loving it, and there's almost that sense that they can't quite believe they're getting to see a Will Ospreay match in 2023. Yeah. The same year that he's been doing those matches with Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho and everything else. Uh, that's one of the reasons I think he get they get the whole dueling chance going. Like the crowd are very amped for this, which is nice. And it's nice to be able to hear the crowd, which hasn't been the case for all of the Will Ospreay matches we've covered this year. Like I said, it's just moves and so many cool ones and the execution is so incredible. And that's the key that will make their matches stand the test of time. And I think they will, for the most part, stand the test of time. Whereas, like, a lot of ECW stuff doesn't because outside of the novelty, there wasn't much underneath it. And that's why Bret Hart seems to be almost more appreciated now than he was then because no one even does the fundamentals that well anymore because they all want to race to do the flippy moves. Yeah. And funnily enough, Will Ospreay has that brief spell in the match where he suddenly goes into an abdominal stretch and almost tries to ground Bailey because that that sense of maybe this guy is better than me as the high flyer. Yeah. In the same way that Kenny Omega was trying to ground Ospreay in their first match in the Tokyo Dome. And also because Will Ospreay himself is trying to... This version of Will Ospreay we're not seeing as often anymore anyway. And he was a lot more grounded in the match with Zack Sabre Jr. than he was in this match, really. Oh, that was him just trying to see if he can one-up uh, Zack Sabre in his own realm kind of thing. That's hubris. Yeah, but he was still going to the top. You know, he does do a sky twister press and everything to the outside at one point as well. Whereas this one is like, I am the best at high-flying. No, I'm the best at high-flying with lots of kicks. No, I'm the best at high-flying with lots of kicks. Well, let's fly at each other very high and do <laughs> lots of kicks. Sounds good to me. <laughs> I'm going to kick, start kicking air. And if any of you happens to fill that air, then it's your own. That is Mike Bailey's move, basically. Isn't it? <laughs> I wonder if it was that Simpsons episode that gave him that idea. <laughs> I will say high praise, but low praise at the same time. Like it's the closest thing to a botch move, I suppose. Though not really. But it's also the most impressive attempt at doing a spot that sometimes drives me crazy. When Will Ospreay goes to do a baseball slide at Mike Bailey, who's on the apron. Mike Bailey jumps up, so Ospreay slides to the outside. And in his jump, Mike Bailey incorporates that into the moonsault to the outside. Because so often when people do those dives to the outside, what drives me crazy is the amount of time the person on the outside has to spend at the same spot waiting for it to happen. Being groggy. Yeah. Yeah. Osprey didn't really need to do that grogginess at all. He turns around and the move is about to happen to him. To me, that's as good a way of doing it as you can do it. Unfortunately, the close thing to a botch is that Bailey seems to lightly touch his shoulder. But I did love that as like, that's the best outside the ring dive presentation that I've seen in a long time. Okay, okay. Of how you get to that spot. Yeah, yeah. And obviously there are other spots in this match, some of which are not contrived, but have overstayed their welcome, particularly in the realms of this podcast. We got a lovely, as, as it was called on commentary, and as I like to call it, Poison Rana, but as you call it... A reverse Rana! There we are. So, you know, some stuff stays the same, some stuff changes. <laughs> to be honest, that fit into my sense of this is like a super indie match from the mid-2010s, and that was when the reverse Rana was really... 
at its apex. We were just a Canadian destroyer away from a full house. Ah, <laughs> uh, but Ricky Morton was unavailable. So what are you gonna do? Yeah, but if they were gonna do an X Division tribute, you got your AJ Styles reference in there. A Petey Williams one wouldn't hurt, especially from the French Canadian. Ah, that's true. Fair point. Don't. I mean, the whole thing from start to finish is like twenty minutes. Again, I think there's that little bit of an incredulous reaction from the crowd. I think part of them, when it's all over, it must have felt like such a burst of energy and everything. There was part of them would have thought, "Did that just happen?" <laughs> Like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think my favorite spot in the whole thing was when Mike Bailey goes for that tornado kick where he does the double spins towards from one corner to the other. Oh, yes. But Osprey just charges at him with a hidden blade whilst he's mid-spin. It just smashes him. No kick out of the Stormbreaker. I'll give them that this time. Yep. But he does kick out of the Storm Driver, which I thought was going to be like his replacement move. We, we did think that had murder, death, kill, burning hammer vibes, and that is decidedly not the case. Did they call it the Storm Driver 93 or the Storm Driver 23? 93. That doesn't make sense, because if he debuted it, he debuted it in 2023, and that's why he gets the number from. Yeah. The the finishing sequence protects Bailey quite a lot, because he hits Storm Driver into Hidden Blade into Storm Break. Yeah. As I said, it's like that touring NWA World Champ Super Indie big boss guy that makes the one that's going to stay there still look good yeah and if will osprey does move on from there to a, that i think maybe impacts hope is that a year or two down the line they can say we've got the best in-ring performer outside of the wwe and arguably because they might think that they're going to clip osprey's wings a little bit in wwe that remains to be seen if he goes there yeah Will he just be the most exciting guy out there? The guy that's having those matches that Meltzer gives five stars to afterwards. Because, I mean, to be fair, maybe we're being a bit... We've timed it wrong. Because if Osprey does end up in WWE from February or whatever it is, (laughs) maybe we won't have that many five-star matches to talk about going forward. It's going to go all 2002 in here. I don't know. We'll have to recalibrate again at that point. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. There we go. I think we've knocked enough of, uh, of our bingo cards at this point to really start wrapping it up. <laughs> I think because it was just so self-contained and it was just move, and it was a criticism I have for the Zack Sabre Jr. match, I didn't feel like this was emotionally affecting either men that much. I feel somewhat the same for this one. I get Mike Bailey's story that he's trying to say he's the best in the world, and in order to do that, he has to beats Osprey, and obviously he doesn't, but maybe he will be considered the best in the world in ring if he continues to get more opportunities to shine in New Japan, becomes maybe who they build the X Division around in the rebranded TNA. Yeah. Or maybe even allow him to go a step further into the main event scene if they lose Josh Alexander and a few other ones of the, the top champs, and obviously as great as Alex Shelley is, he's unfortunately getting all these accolades and opportunities at a very late point in his career that he missed out on. We've got to do more stuff about Alex Shelley in the future. So I get that more to Mike Bailey, but for me, it's just like a perfect in execution, but nothing beyond that. So for me, I don't think I could go higher than like four and a quarter to four and a half stars, maybe. But I still think it's like, for just a lot of fun, it's a very. It's been the most fun I've had watching a five star match in quite a while, and I was not thrilled about having to do another Will Ospreay five star match. Yeah, no, I'm pretty much in the same boat as you. Like, great, self-contained, fun, no storyline or connective tissue or X factor for me, really. But great fun. There's definitely a full house on the 
on the bingo cards now after that flurry you just gave and the completionist in me couldn't help myself <laughs> uh yeah no i'm i'm about four four star four and a quarter i'd say i wouldn't go higher than that so that has been another five star match we have two more that are gonna be self-contained ones you assume because they're happening in october i mean we've done literally the whole of september and october have been five star episodes not in our quality necessarily just their episodes <laughs> about five star matches yeah and again that's one of the reasons why i want us to move on but as we've said we recorded this a long time ago in relative terms this is getting sting luger against the steiners level of infamy <laughs> at this point <sighs> We have recorded an episode about the British wrestling fan. Yes. And the British wrestling scene in 2023. Again, might be redundant by the time this comes out. And that will be the next episode, assuming no five stars in the interim. But I can also say with excitement that that'll be less of a problem in 2024. Yes. And also, to be frank, we might not even rush to get that five star out the week after anyway, because we're going to be talking about stuff in theory, a few more weeks down the road, so us needing to go into that sort of immediacy that these episodes really kind of require is less of an issue anymore. Yeah. So we'll be allow us to be a bit more reflective as well. But until then, Simon, if people want to get in touch with you with their card, if they're a bingo card business, I wonder what cards, business card, bingo card producers produce. If we ever want to make these, let me tell you something, five-star bingo cards a reality, how can they do so? Uh, they can get in touch with me on Twitter, where I am sent as Simon Cross Free. Free for the number of rotations Mike Bailey will try and mo- build into his next tornado kick. My name's Lorcan Mullen, that's L O R C A N M U L L A N at the end of Canadian, which was what was Mike Bailey's undoing <laughs> for a while, and why we're seeing him only at 33 in this five star mix. That's my Twitter handle, Instagram, Facebook, letterbox, if you put in at gmail.com at the end of it, that's my email address. Get in touch with the show at lntyspod at gmail.com. LNTYSpod is also our Twitter and Facebook handles. But there's nothing to say at this point except that my name's Lorcan Mullen. My name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a five and a quarter star time. Until the next time. Quoi que tu fasses, y en a toujours qui seront pas contents. M'en veux pas si j'ai pas ton temps. J'suis avec mes semblables, on fait pas semblant. En bas de l'échelle sociale, on grimpe, on fait nos pailles, on parle cru, on monte les toits. On admire la vue qu'un jour on souffrira. Combien seront prêts à faire les sacrifices qu'il faut? Même pas la moitié, j'parle avec mon avenir et j'me balade à pied. J'réfléchis combien de potes, combien d'ennemis, combien de ces suceurs veulent juste gratter la belle vie. J'ouvre plus la porte de chez moi, musclé à cause de la lourdeur de mes péchés. Char de la salle, facile de porter ses poids. Si j'ai tort, c'est pas grave. Je me sens hors de la norme, je veux pas juste de la maille Non je veux tout ton amour, loin d'être le boss de Paname Mais quand je rappe, je réveille Biggie comme tout pack chaque course C'est de la frappe, je offert mon corps à défier cervelé Non plus jamais, c'est comme voir mon père pleurer Non plus jamais Ancré dans la réalité, tu te règne les rêves La gloire je vais lui faire passer un très mauvais quart d'heure dans la réalité, tu te mourrais les rêves